0: Well, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to dive into the scripture this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 16, and I want to go to two, two books in the Bible this morning. I usually don't typically do that, but I really felt impressed to do that this morning. So if you want to as well, go to Daniel chapter 10, and we're going to pick up there here in a little bit but I wanted to really, I needed to open up with this to kind of bring some context to where we're going this morning. And then we're going to really spend a lot more time in Daniel chapter 10. So if you could bookmark that, put it in your phone or whatever. Uh, let's, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you God for every life that's here, Lord, that they are in, in desperate need of, of knowing who you are, of being transformed by you, Lord, becoming more like you, Lord. we ask God that Lord, that God, as the word goes forth, that it never returns void, God, that it always accomplishes what it's sent out to do. So, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word falling on hearts this morning, that it would, Lord, that it would produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, we, we proclaim your name this morning. We lift you up. And, Lord, we pray that you'd be made more famous today, come on, than you were yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 13. And, and I, I really wanted to, to highlight this because I think it's, it's, it's really important. We're talking about spiritual warfare and, and uh, I think it's so important to understand. And man, God has been really revealing some things to me that, that I think are so, are so important as believers. You know, a lot of times we just think, oh, it's just the, it's just the angel's job to fight. On our behalf, right? Or some of us think, "Oh, is this over because Jesus died?" It is over in one sense, but I want you to know that the the battle's still raging. There is still a war, and and if you don't understand that, then you just live life and you become you become a byproduct of what the war's happening in this other realm that you can't see, right? And so Matthew chapter sixteen kind of begins to highlight that in verse thirteen. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say you're so-and-so, and you're this person, and you're this person. in verse 15, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And I think that's a, 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 a critical question for you, is who is Jesus to you? Is it what the pastors told you? Is it what your dad and mom told you? Is it who, who do you see Jesus as? How do you see him? And Simon Peter, of course, speaks up because he's the loudmouth in the group. You are blessed, Simon, son of... Well, hold on. I'm sorry. I moved right past that. It says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So all these other people have this revelation of Jesus is just this, 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 and this. But Peter has this revelation. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Understand that the name prophet, all those things, there is no power in that. But Peter has a revelation of him as Messiah, the living God. Okay? So you gotta, that's, that's really important to understand. Then Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, which means little rock is actually what it means. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Come on, right here it goes. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Right? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So now he gives him keys and then he puts a responsibility on Peter. And guess who else he gave a responsibility to? us right and this is what he says he says whatever you look at somebody and say whatever you whatever you let them get that this morning whatever you this is your fault this is your fault good or bad it's your fault all right whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden where in heaven so you mean in this earth, you have an authority in a realm that you cannot see. But see, if you don't understand that, then you just live life and you say, well, I got cancer. Well, I got my kids left. Well, I just lost my job. And I just and you live as if you're just a, 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 a person on this earth with no authority, with no sense of, of, of power at all. And then he goes on and he says, so he said, whatever you forbid on earth. Will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit. On earth will be permitted in heaven. Man. So. When you hear that. Now you understand that you're not just in this life existing. That there is a proclamation. There is an assignment as an ambassador. Of the kingdom of heaven. That you have been given authority to. Because he said he gave him keys. If I walked up to you this morning. And I handed you the keys to my car. And I said I'm giving you these keys. What did I just do? I gave you the authority to drive my car, however you wish. You have been given that responsibility because I entrusted you something that I think that you're capable of doing. Right? Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys because of what? Here, this is the first point. You need to write this down. Because many of us, many of us are living in a realm of, of life that we don't, don't think that we deserve based on, 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 on just living in this earth. But this is the point is that your level of authority won't exceed your revelation of Christ. There are, there are authorities that God is wanting you to live in and you cannot live in another realm of authority until you have a new revelation of him. Right? Peter's. Peter's ability to get in the keys to the kingdom were contingent on his revelation of who he was, right? You realize that that is why fear and that is why all of these things come at you is to try to degrade your revelation of who Jesus is. Because if Jesus can, if the enemy can degrade you, then you don't seek out a new revelation, Peter could have easily wrote along and said, well, everybody else says you're this, so that must be what you are. But how many of you know that Peter quit looking for people to get a revelation from and started looking to the Father to get the revelation from? And in him seeking the Father, God gave him a revelation and gave him access into a realm. This is where I want you to understand is that God gave you access. You have open access To the kingdom of God. he's like, what does that mean? That is where we're going to go over the course of the day. Is that we're going to let you understand that there are things in heaven. There are three levels of heaven. Right? All you've probably heard of is the third heaven. That's where we go when we die and we spend eternity. Right? But you're in a heaven right now. This is the first heaven. We have a first heaven. We have a second heaven. We have a third heaven. You're like, are you serious? Like, I didn't. Right? There's three heavens, but we only are experiencing one of them right now. We we anticipate living in another one someday in the future. How many of you have ever cared about the second heaven? Show of hands. Yeah, nobody. Right? I didn't even know there was a second heaven. Right? And this is the most important heaven there is. Because if you don't understand this heaven, then you will never use the keys. Because in this middle heaven, this is where demons and angels live. This is where they war. This is where they fight. This is where they live. I'm going to give you some scripture to it just so you don't think I'm crazy. All right? But most churches are not going to teach you this because it's like it's not the cool thing. But you know what is cool is whenever you cast down cancer because you understand there is a second realm and you know how to speak to it. You know how to get into it. Right? You're not just, well, when I die and I get to heaven, this is going to be. That's third heaven mentality. We need to stop living in third mentality, third heaven mentality. We need to get into the second mentality. We need to begin to go to war for our families, for our, our lost friends. Because if you get into that hell, into that, in that heaven, hell begins to become fearful of you, right? How many of you know that, that revelation establishes power? That where you have revelation, where you have a new revelation of something, right? Like It's like if you get a new revelation at work about something that they're trying to take a, their company to the next level, but you get a revelation for it, what does it do? It produces, you become more attractive to that company. Because you have a revelation of something that they're trying to get to. And this is so important for you to understand that, that as you get more revelation of who Jesus is, you gain more power into that realm and more authority into that realm, right? And so perspective about Christ defines the strength you live in. How you perceive Jesus also determines the level of, of, of power that you live from. And so it's so important to understand, how do you perceive Jesus right now? Do you perceive him as he let you down? He failed you. He's going to, he's going to, You know, he'll take care of me when I finally get to heaven. I'm just going to have to live this kind of life here. What is your perception of Christ? Because that ultimately defines how you live your life on this earth. And so so your level of authority won't exceed your revelation of Christ. You will never have a power or authority beyond your revelation of him. Right? It's like when you're dating somebody. Come on, somebody, you're dating somebody and you have a specific revelation about them. You have a a specific understanding of them. And then you stand on this stage and you say your I do's. And as soon as you walk off the stage and you start moving in with them and you're living with them, you gain a whole nother level of revelation. Can I get an amen? It is quiet up in this church this morning. And so what happens is you get a new revelation. Oh, I didn't know you smelt like that. I did not know you talked like that. I'd never seen that kind of attitude. Oh, okay. That's how you eat. All right. I did not know you slept like that because you are loud, brother. Right? So what happens is you get a revelation that you did not once know. And it gives you an understanding of a person that you did not know once existed. Right? All right. Well, so what is my point? My point is, is you need to get a revelation of who Jesus is in your life and you may appreciate him a little bit more. See, it was in Peter's like proclamation of who Jesus was that Jesus said, oh, because you have finally admitted who I am in your life, here's the keys. Here's authority that is the ultimate expression of authority is keys, right? I mean, if I say, Hey, you can have anything in my house. And just so you know, I'm being serious. Here's my keys. You'd be like, I mean, you're just saying it. But when he handed the keys, you're like, Oh, this dude's real. he's really serious. Peter could not have been had, had, could not realize how serious Jesus was until Jesus said, here's the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. Hello. Like there is no other kingdom. And he gave him the keys to that kingdom. And it's so important for us to understand that Jesus is wanting to give us access and authority into a realm that we have authority in to be, able to, to, to be able to direct demons and angels. Amen? How many of you know that Halloween didn't just appear there? It's because that there are real evil spirits in the world. As we talked about last week, principalities, rulers, listen to that word rulers. Does that mean like just people that just kind of live the life? Rulers of darkness. That means they are serious. That means they are not joking. They're here to do some real stuff. Rulers of darkness? Like we can just read and be like, oh yeah, there's rulers of darkness. Like they're not joking around. They're the real deal. Halloween is, we may put on masks and we may do whatever and laugh and blah, blah, blah. But I want you to know that there is a real Halloween per se. And authority is only, notice, notice what he says. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid, whatever you permit. So now Peter's been given authority and he's also been given the responsibility to say like this, the, the future is up to whatever you say or don't say. Whatever you do or you don't do, do, do. Right. Like it's up to you, Peter. The task has been given to you. It's up to you. He's been given this authority and his authority is only as aggressive as it is applied. Peter could have walked around with the keys. You know, the people that got the chain gang, where's it, Gardo? he got a little clip on it walking around with keys. You can walk. What is it? There it is. Jingle, jingle, baby. What does it matter if you got keys on your hip and that's all they ever do? That's what we got. We got a lot of Christians who've got keys stuck to their bell loop walking around and they make noise with them, but they don't do anything with them. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus gave you keys to the kingdom. They're in your possession. But what will you do with them? Will you begin to apply them? Will you begin to let them go to work and forbid whatever needs to be forbid and permit whatever needs to be permitted? Now, understand that those two words are two different things. One is telling something you're not going to happen. One is telling you you, this is going to happen. Forbid, permit. How many of you are forbidding... Declaring things against things. And how many of you are saying, I called down heaven to come into my life, to come into my family, to come into my situation, to come into my workplace? Instead, you, you're saying, Man, I just live in, I live in hell on earth at work. You're not using your keys. Because Jesus gave you the keys to the kingdom so that you could inf- influence, not be influenced. He didn't get the lost are walking around, they don't have keys. You have keys. You've been given authority. And we need to stop sounding like we're powerful. And start being powerful. Amen. How are you applying your authority? How are you using your authority? How are you proclaiming with your mouth. Forbidding and permitting. Because I know for me. There was a season in my life where I didn't understand my authority and I just, as things happen, I just be like, well, that's just how life is. Anybody ever use this word, it is what it is? That's what the the devil would love for you to buy into. It is what it is. I hate when people use that. And I find myself using it because, like, sometimes that's the only thing you can say. It is what it is. No, it isn't what it is. It is what it is until you start saying stuff out of your mouth and forbidding things and permitting things. And it's in as you, begin to, as you begin to use your words and you begin to go to allow the Holy Spirit to go to work. That things begin to shift. It is what it is. I just lost my job. It is what it is. I just My wife left me. It is what it is. My bank accounts, It is whatever it is. It is what it is. You're not exercising your authority. You're not using the keys of the kingdom. How many of you know that the gates of hell, he said here. My translation is a little distorted in how it says it, but he says, he says the powers of hell. There's another translation says the gates of hell. And how many know that gates keep things out? The gates of hell. There are people on the other side of the gate called lost people. There are other people on the side of that gate that have bought into the lie that they are going to die of cancer, that they're going to be broke for the rest of their lives. That they're going, to be, they're going to be single for the rest of their lives. And they're, on, they're saved, but they're on the other side of that gate. Mentally, mentally wise. They're on the other side of that gate. But gates have locks. And Peter has the key. Gates have locks. And you have the key. And Peter has been told by Jesus that whatever you forbid, whatever you lock up, and whatever you open the door to... The issue is not whether do you have strength to open the gate or close the gate. The issue is that you have the keys and are you using them? He says the gates of hell. How many of you know that gates, hell's gates, appear way bigger and stronger than they are in reality? I always find it funny when you walk up to somebody's house, if they've got gates, and they've got these massive gates, and it looks really you know, it's like, whoa, okay, these people are letting us know you're not getting into my house. But then right next to the gate, it's all open. <laughs> or it's got like a couple of, you know, pieces of wood and a post and a couple of pieces of wood, but it's open. It's like, yeah, you're really keeping me out. This is what the devil does. He puts up really big gates and it's like, oh man, I can't get in there. Dude, just go around the gate. <laughs> No, don't go around the gate. Use your key. Open that sucker and bust it open and say, hell, I want you to know that I just got a revelation of who Jesus is. And I'm coming for you. Amen. Gates, look, gates are always going to appear. I want you to understand gates are a mindset. Gates are, 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 are an emotional empowerment of what the enemy uses. He lets you understand and think that this gate of emotion, that this gate of, of, of whatever it may be for you. Because some of you know your gate and my gate are different gates? But your gate may be the fact that I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life. Now, that gate is really big and it's really intimidating. But how many of you know that It doesn't matter what gate you're facing. You've been given authority over it. Gates are going to appear bigger than they really are. And at the end of the day, I don't care how big the gates are or how how strong they are because you have keys. See, the devil just put the gates up for people who didn't have a revelation that they have keys. The enemy has built a fortress in our minds to say, you are got to die before you're 35. You're going to die before you're going to do, 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 and it's all these different things. And he's built this, this false sense to say, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to move forward. And I want you to know this morning that that's not a reality. It may be your reality, but it doesn't have to stay your reality. And I'm never going to get over this addiction. I'm never going to get over this perversion. I'm never going to get over this, this struggle, this grief, this unforgiveness, this bitterness. I want you to know that you've been given keys. And I pray that you will begin to use them. I pray that you will begin to say, you know what, I'm going to. I remember a couple. It was like last year. I began to have this thing in my stomach. And every night it would happen at night. And every night, it was maybe a year and a half ago. Every night is when I would get to bed. It would wake me up in the middle of the night. And uh, and it was like my stomach was going to explode. It was a horrible feeling. And I told Alicia about it. And we just said, we're going to begin to pray. And find out whatever, whatever this is, we're going to begin to believe God. And we begin to pray. And within like a week, this is a year and a half ago, two years ago. Within a week, that thing stopped completely. I've never had it again. And I say that because I think that the enemy could have easily said, oh, something he could have built on there," But we didn't give him time because we understood our authority. And I think so many times we give the enemy so much energy. We give him so much time and we brag about the gates. We say, ooh, those gates are big. And, oh, those gates are so scary. And, oh, those gates are this and they're that. And we affirm the gate when we should be speaking against it. And we should pre- be proclaiming and we should be using the keys of the kingdom. Amen? So, now that I've talked about authority and I've talked about the keys of the kingdom, I want you to see that the Lord has given us a privilege to see into a realm that I was talking about. That you, many of you may not even believed me and you've never read Daniel. And I'm about to expose to the, I want to expose you to a realm that is reality. That there is a second heaven. How many know that the devil doesn't even get the privilege of getting into that third heaven? Unless he's been given permission by God. How many of you know that God lives in a realm called thrones? There is no other mention of thrones except for gods. Principalities, rulers of darkness, that's a whole other tier. Like the devil doesn't get to get into that realm. So this is the only realm he has authority. He thinks he's big dog, but he doesn't understand. There's another realm that trumps his. You believe me? All right. So, so Daniel chapter 10, this is Daniel. And this is what begins to happen. And I will do my best to do this in the next 13 minutes that I have in Jesus name add time. It says in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia huge keynote there's a king of Persia okay Daniel also known as Belazar had another vision he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future okay times of war and great hardship when this vision came to Dan, Dan came to me I Daniel had been in mourning for three weeks it actually says three whole weeks all that time I hadn't I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. I just wonder how he smelled, but anyway, his skin was probably ashy, <laughs> poor guy. It's like, this is hell, my elbows are dry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then he goes on, and says, on April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Many speculate that that was actually Jesus in that vision, others say it was just an angel. But it really leans more towards God. That that was God himself that came in and revealed himself to Daniel. Okay. Then it says only I Daniel saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing. That's huge. But they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So they didn't see it but they did hear it. Right. And. Then it goes on and it says this. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Things you get to look forward to. Awesome. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Now, what an incredible picture of what's happening. Now, I'm not done yet. We're going to go into the whole, the whole realm thing here in a minute. But I wanted to, to kind of let you understand what Daniel is doing. So Daniel is praying and he's fasting for three weeks, which would be also 21 days. Which you've ever heard the 21-day fa- Daniel fast, this is where it's found. And so Daniel, and everybody said amen to fasting, right? The Bible says it, when you pray, not, I mean, when you fast, not if you fast. So it's not a question of if, it's, it's a question of when. Sometimes we push it off a little farther than we should, but moving on to the good stuff. Uh, so, so here we see that Daniel is, is praying and he's interceding and he's standing in the gap. And all of a sudden this vision comes to him and he sees God or he sees an angel. He sees someone that is really important. And then his friends who are supposed to be his friends, they abandon him. They say, we're out of here because you're talking to something and you're seeing things that we are not seeing. And that's as weird So we're out and they jet, they leave him. And, but what I want you to understand is that Daniel had been given a vision and he had a responsibility with the vision that God is giving you a vision, whether it be for your family, whether it be for your job, your career, your school, that your kids are going to your college that you're in your, your, your distant family. They've, God is giving you, giving you. Or he's given you, giving you a vision. And with a vision, you have a responsibility. Right? Daniel had this vision he was given, and he went to work with it by fasting and praying. Okay? So we we see that he was fasting and praying for 21 days. Here's the point. Progress in the kingdom is in the position you take. The, the, The ability for the kingdom to move forward... How many of you know that it doesn't just happen? Things don't just happen in the heavenly realms, in this second tier that I'm talking about, just by chance. And you're going to see in a minute how that is true. That the position you take, how many of you know the position you take? Look at somebody and say, the position you take, the position you take determines the progress of the kingdom. So that makes it a little bit more intentional for us to say, God gave me a vision and now I have a responsibility for that vision. That God doesn't just give you a vision because he thinks it's a really good idea. He wants to show you something that's cool. God gives you a vision because he believes that you are capable of doing something with it. And when you begin to take a vision and you begin to do something with it, heaven begins to take attention. Okay, so, so how many of you know that spiritual warfare is, is all about holding up kingdom progress? Right, it's all about kingdom progress and it is moving forward. And the enemy does whatever he can to try to resist that progress. Perfect illustration. Alicia, we left for North Carolina last Sunday. And I preached this sermon on spiritual warfare. And I think that the enemy just wanted to be like, I'm going to really give you some spiritual warfare in the flesh. You're going to get to experience it. And how many of you know, if you've ever sat in traffic for 30 or 45 minutes on the interstate? That is spiritual warfare. (laughs) I mean, me, I'm like, go, go, go. Let's get going. And then the traffic comes. It's like, oh, it's just slowing down. Red lights, red lights. And like, oh, we're going to sit here for 45 minutes. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> we went to intercession. We started saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm just kidding. We didn't. But what, how many of you know that when you're on a mission and you're trying to get from point A to point B, the worst thing that can happen is something, a traffic jam in the middle of A to B. That is spiritual warfare. In reality, it really is. There is a point where God is trying to take you in a maturity level. And he's trying to move you into another point of maturity level. And there's this thing called time. And God wants to get you from there to there. The enemy wants to slow you up and pause your life. He wants to stop your progression. Your growth from A to B. That's spiritual warfare. And so... In this, you have to realize that heaven entrusts a vision to those that will respond to it. God is saying, I'm willing to give you something, but will you respond to it? Will you do whatever you've got to do and get in the median and drive down the median and get to your. I'm just kidding. Your pastor, be like, Pastor told me to do that. And how many of you know that you've got to do whatever you've got to do to get from point A to point B because God gave you a vision and you've got to get to that place? That is spiritual warfare. God is saying, I've given you this vision. What will you do with it? How many you know that with that comes spiritual opposition? That the devil doesn't say, oh yeah, free pass, go ahead. The devil will never give you a free pass into your purpose. The devil will never say, yeah man, come on through. That is great. I'm so excited for your next step. The enemy is never going to do that. He is going to bring opposition. He is going to bring, he is going to try to confront the revelation that you have, because many of us get excited with a revelation. We say, "Man, I, God just what does He want to do?" He wants to break check that. He wants to say, "Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God can heal?" Because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you. Do you really believe that your family can be healed? I'm gonna throw something at you. Do you really believe that you're gonna that you're gonna get married again? That you're gonna have someone that will love you again? Break check. Opposition at the end of the day is always gonna it's always gonna be a, an effect of. Spiritual warfare. If, if things are moving in the heavenlies, they're coming against you. Look, every new level of territory that God is calling you into, require, it requires another level of demonic resistance. I wrote in my board, if you go look at my board, when our church started growing in January, in June of last, uh, this last year, or maybe it was May or whatever, I wrote down. Every new level that God is taking us is going to require us. To go through another, demonic resist, another level of demonic resistance. Because I know that God, God wants this church to grow. And God wants people's lives to be changed. But the enemy doesn't want it. He doesn't want this church to grow. He doesn't want lives to be changed. He doesn't want people to have a revelation that they are in Christ. That they are new creations. And so what does that mean? That means that we have to begin to fight a new fight. We need to fight a new battle. We need to do something different than what we did before. And if you don't understand that, you just think I'm supposed to fight like I've always fought. No, you've got to change up how you fight. I mean, I was just reading my word. I've been reading my word every day. Okay, maybe every other day. Okay, maybe once a week. But I'm fighting. And you think that you can still fight with one day a week. You think you can pray with just one blah, blah, blah. It may be. How many of you know that you've got to change up your arsenal? You got to begin to pray in the spirit, or something. You got to begin to stir yourself up. You got to begin to speak something that is crazy and bigger than you. And you've got to begin to fight a different way. Amen. Man, I am don't have enough time. Okay. So moving on, going to verse twelve. Uh, it says this. Then he said, "Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray, what for understanding?" And to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. What? The first day that Daniel began to pray and fast, heaven engaged. Right? Is that what it says? That's what it says. Heaven heard the moment Daniel began to pray. Didn't say things changed yet but things were happening. There are things that are happening right now in the heavenlies that you've been praying for twenty-one days, for three years, for five years. Things are in the heavens and they are shifting. But you got to still proclaim, even though you don't see anything shifting. You still got to speak it, and you got to say, "Heaven, angels, go to my, go to war for me." Now, what you have to do? Let's see this. It says, "It says your request has been heard in heaven. I have, I have come in answer to your prayer." But for 21 days, isn't that interesting, that the same amount of time Daniel fasted, he was held hostage. Anyway, so for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Who was it that we read about earlier? The king of Persia. So what does that tell us? That tells us that with every... Maine, even in Centerton, there is a king, there is a prince, a that rules Centerton. And anytime a church like Centerton, like Reach church comes in, they don't like that. Because this church is lifting up the name of Jesus and their whole thing is to control Centerton. That changes the way you pray. That changes why maybe you moved into Centerton. That it wasn't just because it was a quaint little city and it was pretty. Because God believed that you could change something. Because you have a revelation of why you live here. And you're going to break and push the gates of hell against those that are lost and broken and hurting in this city. You have kingdom authority in this city if your address lives here. On a whole nother level. Prince of Persia was controlling the king of Persia. Right? Right? See, understand that the resistance that, that your, that the, uh, the resistance to your response, you've been proclaiming for 21 days, it doesn't equal the results. Things are happening just because you aren't seeing them happen. Things are shifting just because you are not seeing them happen. Amen? And then it goes on and it says, the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. The, the prince of Persia is not a prince in the earthly realm. The prince of Persia is a prince in the heavenly realms controlling what's happening in Persia, the city. So I take this on on a whole new personal level that how many of you know that every family has a gate? And how are you as a husband? How are you controlling the gate? How are you as a wife protecting the gate? Changes us just living and being married happily ever after. Amen? Because there is a real kingdom. And the prince of Persia didn't say, oh, man, that was really good prayers. I'm just going to go ahead and let you go. He fought the moment that the first word uttered out of Daniel's mouth. He said, this boy's serious. He's not eating or drinking or doing anything. He's just going to pray. He said, this dude's serious. And I think it's really important to understand that. I got to close. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I want you to stand this morning and there I believe are things that are shifting in the atmosphere when you take authority when you begin to let God go to work through you I didn't say for you I said through you then it goes on and it says then the prince of Greece came there was literally an angel that was held up for three days weeks fighting on our behalf I wonder how many angels right now are fighting on your behalf to keep your marriage together to keep you in that job to keep you to keep be in the light that God's calling you to be I want you to know at the same time there is demonic principality and re- resistance pushing against that if there's anything I would ask you just to learn And understand that this world is so much more real than we may realize. We've got these scripture cards. We thought this may be a way for us to really take the battle serious. We've got two different versions on there, and it says this For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is Ephesians 6. And I just asked if you would take one of these as you leave today. They're out on the guest counter. We could have our ushers or whatever hand them out. But that you would use the scripture and you would begin to proclaim this over your household this week. That you would even as you pray, that God may give you a revelation, He may give you a vision of something that I need to start praying specifically over my kids, over my job, over my workplace, over my over my school that my kids go to. That I bind the evil spirits that are work that are at work. Can we do that? How many of you know that this is a real deal? This is like I know you signed up for the cross and all that, and it was like I thought I was going into something fun. It is something fun. There's nothing funner than beating the devil up. And you've been given the authority to do it. Amen.